Hey, what we're going to do today is something uh, a little different. Uh, Sanctuary Church or Bible Teaching Church, we go through uh, the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're going to pick that up in February, continuing in Romans chapter 12. But the beginning of the year, what we wanted to do, where everybody's making resolutions, everybody's hitting the reset button, we wanted to talk about a series about say yes. And what do you want to say yes to? Because think about it. What you say yes to, it determines your life, determines your destiny, determines uh, uh, your decisions. So we want to talk about saying yes in the context of your spiritual life. Say yes to community, Say yes, which is like small groups, you know. Uh, say yes to serving. Say yes to the scripture, things like that. So we want to get in a part of that journey that people are taking, the beginning of a new year of saying yes here. So... Uh, we're going to be here for a couple more weeks, and we'll be back at the ranch. If you're new, we love that you're here. Love, love, love that you're here, that you came. This is actually where we do life uh, Monday through Saturday. Then we normally are at the ranch, where we'll be back there in a couple weeks. As we mentioned, we just have some work to do there. So I wanted to begin the idea I want to talk about this way. So here I have in my hands, this is an envelope right here. This is an envelope, and it's a sealed envelope. It's a sealed envelope. It's got tape on the back. For a lot of people, that's like your life. Your life is like sealed. Other people, you know, they can't get in. It's got, got tape on. I can't get into it. I have to say that that was very much my life, and sometimes I can struggle with that even today. It can be a sealed envelope. But what I learned, what I learned is being a Christ follower is how to be an open envelope, to be a little bit more open, and uh, still working on that, but, uh, uh, but to be more open. And so maybe you're here this morning, and you say, yeah, I'm all about the sealed envelope, or you're the more open type. But what I want to say is this, is that when you become a Christ follower, you really transition from being sealed and closed up and not letting anybody in and not experiencing community to a person that is more open in their life. And so we're going to talk about small groups. We're going to talk about small groups. And you think about it like Jesus... How many people know Jesus did a small group, right? Did a small group, like 12 people, like until he died, did a small group. Uh, the Apostle Paul, small group, had Timothy, had uh, Romans 16. You read about all his small group there. You can read about him in uh, portions of uh, the New Testament letters that he wrote. And so really that's like God's design for us is to experience community. So what we want to talk about today is that very thing, community. And so it is God's design to be connected, deeply connected in a communal relationship here. And so people say, yeah, you know what? I've got the, uh, a personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah, it is personal, but friends, it was never intended just to be vertical, personal, but it's not intended to be private. It's intended to be lived out in community, in gospel community or biblical community there. And so this is God's divine design for his children uh, to be connected in relationship. So uh, here's, here's the deal with culture. As we have connectivity, we're connected, but we're connected through social media like there's 2.8 billion users on Facebook. We got Twitter where you can t tweet about, you know, the sushi you had or your sweet potatoes or whatever, as if everybody wants to know what you're eating. But anyway, uh, so, uh, but we're, we're connected that way. You go into Starbucks and you see people that, that was designed so that people just didn't get their coffee to go, but that there could be a community there. And you see somebody with earphones on and on their computer, or maybe somebody uh, on, their, on their phone uh, sending a, a text to somebody. So what you have there then is really, people have all this connection going on social media 
but they don't have any community. So really what you have are people that are isolated, especially COVID, more isolated than ever before, disconnected, alone, lonely. Yet in history, we're more connected than we've ever been, but we're experiencing less community than we ever have in our history. So into that culture that we bump up against every day, the scriptures talk to us about being a community. So we want to talk about that now because uh, we say yes to many things at the beginning of a year. But are we going to say yes to community? I'd like to, us to rethink that. I recognize also people are new to church. Oh, we love that you're here. Uh, and, you're, and you're thinking like, oh, you know, what is all this about? We're going to unpack that for you now. Because what can happen is, like Starbucks, like Sanctuary Church, you can be everybody here's together here, yet we're all alone too. We can be isolated and lonely there. So uh, we can relate like in Starbucks and, you know, kind of relate here and relate on social media, but not have real relationships. So that's what we want to talk about. Uh, the church is not bound together by our choice of music, our zip code, our education, or our, our, where we work, or income levels, or politics, certainly not politics, jobs, interests, all that. But how we're connected, how we're connected, because when you're connected through uh, those other ways, it's just temporary community. But if you're part of a church here, you've been made right with God by the blood of Jesus Christ. We all enter the same way. We all were broke and all deeply sinful. And we enter on the same ground here, regardless of our cultural background or our parenting preferences or our careers or whatever else. We enter the same way. And we've drawn, we're called together. The church means ecclesia, called out ones, where we're called out to be called into community. And so this is what we're going to talk about. And friends, a community is only as strong as the foundation upon which it's built. And our foundation for community is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's why it is awesome. That's why it never changes. But what connects us is that we have this new life in Christ here. Broken people are made right with God through a holy God, through the sacrifice of Jesus. And so then we can connect together. And so we have our stories. You have your story. I have my story. We're going to hear some stories of people who've experienced life transformation because they've been in a community. They've said yes to community. But before that, I'm going to invite up Pastor Steve Mason. And let me tell you a little bit about Steve. So come on up, Steve. So Pastor Steve and I have been friends like forever, I think since we were kids maybe. But um, uh, Pastor Steve approached me a, a, a while ago and uh, God was stirring his heart. God was stirring his heart that we would be more of a community, a more connected community. And he said, I want to lead it. I want to be in charge of that this year. And so Pastor Steve is going to share his heart about what it means for us to be a community. Would you please welcome Pastor Steve Mason? Well, good morning, everybody. Community. It's something that uh, we talk about a lot. Uh, we do it very, very poorly sometimes. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he challenged them with community. And this is, this is what he said. He said, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you failed the test? Does anybody know what the test is? 
You know, I, that's the challenge. You know, I was teaching this several years ago, and I thought, it's really not fair to challenge people to test the, the health of their spiritual life, to take the spiritual temperature, so to speak, without giving them a how-to. And so this is what I came up with, and this is the, the criteria I use to test myself to see where I'm at on the, on the fully devoted follow, follower of Christ continuum. You know, a lot of people are at the very beginning of that continuum, a lot of people are further down the road, but we're all moving toward full devotion. That's the goal. Jesus said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, knowing we're never going to be perfect, but that's the goal. So the te- this is the, the, the criteria I use to examine myself. Salvation, Sunday, small groups, stewardship, service. The five S's of full devotion. Salvation, Jesus said the Son of Man came to seek and to save lost people. Sunday, the Bible says, don't forsake the gathering together with other believers. Small groups, that's where iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens the countenance of another. Stewardship, that's where the Bible says, honor the Lord with your money. And then service, serve the Lord with gladness. And if you're doing those five things, in my mind, you're pretty devoted. That might even be full devotion. But if you're not in small groups, that's still good. You're 80% devoted but you're 20% short based on that criteria. You may be saved, and by salvation what I mean is you crossed that line of faith and became a follower of Christ, or you can't be a fully devoted follower, but you're also committed to the salvation of other people. That's evangelism. And so if you're not in small groups, you may be here every Sunday, you cross that line of faith, became a believer, you give faithfully, you serve regularly, but if you're not in a small group, there's something lacking. Ask yourself, in the early church, what convinced people to cross the line of faith and become a follower of Christ? They were going to lose everything. They were going to be a pariah of society. They wouldn't be able to go to the temple. They would lose their jobs. They would lose their friends, any status they had in the community. Their family oftentimes would have a funeral for them a symbol symbol that they're dead to the family because they became a believer. They were going to be hunted down. They were going to be persecuted and and imprisoned, tortured, and even killed. What on earth would be compelling enough to make somebody peek through the fence and say, I'll give up everything if I can be a part of that? I think it was two things. I think it was changed lives and the relationships they had. They saw people and said, change lives. I know that guy. He used to be greedy, and now he's generous. This gal over here used to be arrogant, and now she's humble. There's a transformation taking place, and it's taking place in that community. And I see the relationships they have, and I will give up everything. I'll risk everything to have what they have. And notice in the book of Acts, speaking of the early church, it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The kingdom was expanding, and it got bigger by getting smaller. I think small groups are half of a church. The other half is what we're doing right now. Sunday morning and small groups are two halves to a whole. Notice they met in the temple and in the homes. 
So we're going to do small groups this year. It's going to be a real big push. You're going to probably get sick of hearing about them. But we're going to do them a, a different way. If somebody wants to do a small group and God has gifted them as a teacher, by all means, teach. But not everybody has been called to do that. And so basically, we were going to use a media company that has thousands of videos. Many of them are designed specifically for small groups. Some are 15 minutes long, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. But they're, they're messages given by some of the most well-known speakers in the world. And, and it's, it's designed for small groups, but it's given by professionals. And then we also need a place to do that. So we're going to need hosts, people who will open their home and say, yeah, we can meet in my home. And then a discussion guide comes with each video. And so you don't even have to come up with the questions that you want to ask people based on what the video's like. There's a, there's a guide that's included with the video. And so we need discussion leaders. So we need a host, we need hosts, discussion leaders, and bodies. You don't have to have 20 people in a small group. But everybody should be in a small group. And they can gather, you know, a lot of people gather by common interest, don't they? Some people it's sports, other people it's parenting or marriage, might be finances. We're going to put groups together like that based on the group, the people in the group, what their common interest is. We're also going to do things like through the Bible studies, through books of the Bible. You know, Solomon was widely known still today as the wisest man who ever lived. This is what he said. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said it's not good to be isolated. It's not good to be alone. That when you're with other people, you're better off. And in this portion of Scripture, he talks about walking, he talks about warming, and he talks about warring. Those are the three things. When you're in a small group, you're in community with other people. You walk, your walk will be strengthened. You'll be a better Christian. You'll be more fully devoted follower of Jesus in a small group. And warming, when you're in a small group and other people are excited about the things that you should be excited but aren't, guess what? You leave that group, you're excited again. They stir up the flame of passion that so easily goes, goes out. And warring, in a small group, people will make you better, their iron will sharpen your iron, and you'll fight the good fight of faith better because you're in a small group. So the challenge today, just like the Apostle Paul challenge the church of Corinth. I want to challenge you to say yes to small groups. There are connection cards in the seat pockets ahead of everybody, and I don't want you to do this now, but if you want to be in a small group, if you want to host a small group, or you want to be a discussion leader, put your name and contact information on that and put them in the boxes when you leave here, and I'll get back to you and we'll start putting things together. So, Thank you for listening. I'm going to ask Garrett to come up, and Garrett's going to share how the, the men's small group that he's involved with, how it's affected his life spiritually. So.
Good morning, guys. How are you? Good, 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 good. Hey, so I just wanted to unpack the scripture this morning first and then just talk about the, the application of it to the small group and just encouraging everyone here this morning. This is from Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, and it reads, Have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So this is the word from the Lord speaking to Joshua. This is the same Joshua who was a slave in Egypt, and now he's being appointed by the Lord to lead the nation of Israel from the east side to the west side of the Jordan River, to the land of inheritance that had been prepared for the nation of Israel. So what's taking place is in this, in this part, there's an important part of the scripture that it talks about the children of Israel were promised the land, but they were required to fight. They had to engage. They had to step into the battle line, and they had to step up, and they had to go to battle for the territory that was already promised to them. The Lord would already provide the victory. He'd already provided it, but they had to take action. So in this process, the Israelites, and again, these were children of slaves, of Hebrew slaves in the land of Egypt. These were not Navy SEALs. They weren't special forces. These were men and women who had a promise given to them by God to take the land and to take the territory that had been promised to them. In doing so, they take 31 kings down. They defeat 31 kings, and God continues to expand their territory time and time and time again under Joshua's command. What's important to think about is this combination of these two things is how land was taken. God had promised it to them. And I think about us as his children today, the promise that God's given us, that there's territory to take for the kingdom of heaven for 2022, 2023, as long as the Lord tarries, right? So we think about what this looks like also in the context of a small group. So on Tuesday nights, what happens is we meet a few guys, well, it was a few guys, now it's about 15 to 20, meet on Tuesday night, a meal's prepared, we break open the scripture, we read it, we apply it to our lives, and then we talk about uh, prayer requests, and we intercede on behalf of the country, our leadership, we, uh, we intercede on behalf of people that are sick within the church, outside of the church, our coworkers, whoever it may be. So there's this intercessory period of time. And what we've seen is time and time again, the Lord continues to take territory back in the lives of people in the group and outside of the group. Maybe it's within a marriage. Maybe a marriage gone sideways. Relationships have been taken back for the Lord. We've also seen prodigal children come back home, and it's an incredible thing to watch and to be part of something like that. In my own story, in my own life, I was telling Pastor Rod, for me, it started back in this corner room back here in a rooted group, and it completely changed my life. I understood what the Lord had called me to do. I understood the purpose for what he had called me to, and it impacted me immensely. In 2020, 2020, 2021, I think it's fair to say that what's happened is the enemy has been working aggressively hard to isolate, to discourage, to divide, to bring confusion within our world, but also within the church. So what is important to think about is when we literally link arms with our brothers and sisters, we lock shields together, and then what we do is we come together and we pray over the church. We pray over one another, but we also pray over the world and what's happening. There's something special that takes place, and this is how we're called to go to war. 
And it's an incredible thing, and it's a privilege to be part of that in this church. So I would encourage you, everyone here this morning, if you've never been part of a small group, or maybe there's been kind of a respite period or kind of a a little bit of a break, get plugged in as quickly as possible, because 2022 is going to be a year that's going to require prayer. It's going to be a year that's going to require stamina and endurance, and to do that in community, front-facing, is extremely important. So I pray that this church would, would just heed the charge, just like Joshua, we'd be bold, we'd be brave, and we'd step into that area. But also, uh, the prayer is this, is that this church, we pray together. Maybe the Lord's given you a burden to host. Maybe it's a burden to lead a discussion. Maybe it's a burden to join. Pray about it and see what the Lord puts upon your heart. And I'm excited for everyone in this church to see what God's going to do in and through this body in 2022. So I love you guys. And I'm going to call up Catherine to come on up also. Good morning. And I have a word for the ladies in the house. Uh, <laughs> how amazing that, um, that we're here together in the house of God. And I have a word for all of you beautiful ladies. I know so many of you here. I see your beautiful faces this morning, but I see your beautiful hearts. And how in a group of community, I have grown so much from all of you. I know that what we meet, when we meet together and we share together, we grow together. So I have a scripture that I want to read. I have to put my glasses on in which to do it. So I'm going to read the scripture and then I'm going to share with you. It's Hebrews uh, 10.24 and 10.25. And I know that our last study, we had studied through the book of Hebrews. It said, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds and, give, and not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all and in the more as you see the day approaching. That scripture I love. And um, I'm a play, I'm someone who loves a play on words. And the word spur. Now we know spurs, of course, when you're getting ready to maybe get on a horse, right? You put your foot in the stirrup, you have your boots with those little spurs on the bottom. Hey, those things are sharp. And what are they going to do to that horse when you get on it? Maybe that horse doesn't want to move. It's happy staying where it's been, right? But you want to take the ride. You want to get going. So you get that spur, and you're spurring that horse, and then all of a sudden he's going. So in this word, I want to spur you ladies on. I want to welcome you to step in and take the step this new year, 2022, to step into community. I'm going to tell you what, girls, it has blessed my heart so very much. It has grown me. I've been at Sanctuary Church in these last five years. I've met many of you here. I've studied with many of you. But the community that we have when we join together is powerful. We're not only studying God's word, and he's showing us how we can be, what, rooted, planted, and to flourish, and to flourish more in the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is in each one of our lives. So again, I want to welcome you. We love you. We've been praying for all of you, all of the women to come, come aboard. And for me, the journey has been beautiful. I'm so excited to be a part of this church at Sanctuary. My husband and I, like I said, we started here five years ago. There is so much love in the house, guys. There is so much love here and everyone coming together. We're here for one another. We pray for one another. And in our group of women, we pray for our families. We pray for our marriages, our children, our church. And you know what happens? All of the things that we gain from one another, it's in our hearts. We're going to live them out. We're going to live them out to our families. We're going to go home. We're going to share that wherever we are in the workplace, 
wherever God leads us to be, we're spreading the gospel with what we've learned here in the community. And so, again, I just want to encourage you to step out. I know it's going to be the best season ever. So if you have any questions, let me know. And again, it's my honor and such a joy and a privilege to be up here and just to share that love with you girls. I love you all. Thank you. And I'd like to take a moment and um, ask, Van is going to come up and share a few words on small group as well. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Good morning. My name is Van. Uh, I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to share a little bit about my testimony and then it's going to kind of play into what we've been talking about. Um, Similar to Rod, I didn't grow up in the church. Um, Unsimilar to Rod, my upbringing was was pretty dark. I'm sure all of us can relate to that in one way or another. Um, I was involved in, well, had a single mother. My dad took off before I was one years old, one year old. So we ended up moving um, back to California, and where my mother could afford wasn't the greatest of areas. And since she was a single mother, she had to work all the time. So needless to say, it's that old chestnut. I fell in with the wrong crowd. I got heavily involved in, in um, gangs, drug dealing. Um, you know, I saw a lot of, uh, a lot of atrocities, people getting beat up. I've been shot at more than once. I've been jumped more than once. Um, all of the just vile, disgusting, wretched wickedness that the world has to offer all, all wrapped up into one quaint little package for me. Um, and during that time, I also got involved in music doing, you know, battle rap and, and, and rap doing live shows and stuff like that and, and you know, going out to nightclubs and bars and, and seeing that whole kind of side of, of all the darkness. And right around 2009, maybe 2010, I uh, ended up coming to Sanctuary Church from a recommendation of a friend of mine. I had been going around to different churches trying to find something better. Um, and one of the allures, the really deceptive, alluring nature of, 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 of gangs specifically is whatever comes to mind first. It's different for most people, right? Money, maybe some local fame, celebrity. But as someone who was involved in it, any of you, any of you who have you know, friends, family members, they would probably say the same. It's that, it's that sense of camaraderie is what it really is. It's that sense of being accepted, being loved, because most of the people involved in gangs, they don't have a, an actual solid family life, right? So Anyway, fast forward, I come to Sanctuary, um, <laughs> I listen to Rod give the message, and then as soon as it was over, I um, very passive-aggressively asked him for some time to the side, and I just began badgering him with questions. Um, I was very skeptical of the church, you know, when you don't grow up in the church, you, you know, you, you, you hear all the bad things associated with church, right? They're all hypocrites, it's all fake, it's all money-grabbing, you know, you don't, you don't pay taxes, just all this whole stuff, and... Rod was the first one. If I, I tried to count after the first service. I'm pretty sure Rod was the eighth pastor in less than a year that I had spoken with just to kind of really try to find out who he was and what the church was about. And Rod was the only one that genuinely took the time to be patient and to lovingly sit there and listen to me badger him and spew all this, you know, kind of um, ignorant stuff because that's what it was. And Anyway, so I became a member of this church. For the first couple years, I was very, as Rod described it, very vertical in my relationship with God. Okay, I was very standoffish. 
um, not really willing to engage. And the reasons why I don't matter at this point, um, it wasn't until I started getting involved in these small groups that everything started to change, all right? I think it's fitting that, Rod, when we go back into, uh, you know, preaching the Bible, it's going to be Romans chapter 12, because in Romans chapter 12, Paul says that we're being transformed by renewal of the mind, okay? So I, I can't really explain it well enough to describe how much my mind has been transformed through the power of the gospel because of Christ, Okay, I used to focus on things that weren't important. Now I focus on things that are important, and that's only because of God. And it was fleshed out through my experience in these small groups. Okay, my wife and I went through Rooted. I went through Rooted. We, we joined a couple different small groups. You know, I was part of Steve's small group that he was leading. And it was at that point that this fellowship really started to, you know, really come together in, in my understanding of what fellowship really means. I'm going to share a scripture we all remember who John, the Apostle John is, right? He, he, he was a pretty famous apostle. He didn't have any problem calling himself Jesus' favorite. Um, he, wrote, he wrote three letters, and in the beginning of the first one, he says, if we walk in the light as he himself walks in the light, he's talking about Jesus, then we will have fellowship with one another. Okay, that's, that's incredibly powerful, because if you think about all the different descriptions in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, about what people look like who are righteous, who, are, who, who, who love God, who are walking with Christ. You know, we're all familiar with the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, happiness. I don't have them all memorized, sorry. Um, you know, Jesus said that we'll, you'll know them by their fruits, right? And, and, and that, that's one of the fruits is this fellowship. And I think that in our country today, it's, it's grossly undermined, okay? I think that the way that our, our country is set up now, let me ask you this. How many people remember 2019? Okay. How different is it now? It's different, right? So we're given so many reasons to create an us versus them. Okay. Right? Think about it. Think about somebody you don't like and the reason why you don't like them. It's probably, it's polarized. Okay. When Paul wrote his letter to Galatia, I'm just going to be very brief about this, but I, I want us to all understand, this is very important. All the letters he wrote were all to specific churches in specific cities, except for Galatia. Galatia was an entire region, similar to like a state or a country. That's why when he wrote in there, there is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no male, there is no female, there's no slave, there's no free, we're all in Christ. That's, that's incredible. That would be like nowadays me saying there is no black, there is no white, there is no Republican, there is no Democrat, there is no vaxxer or anti-vaxxer, we're all the body of Christ. So what you want to separate yourself from, all that stuff comes from the world. We're not of the world, right? Isn't that what Jesus told us? We're, we're, we're to live in the world, but not be of it. And the fellowship in this church and the church at large is one of the most important aspects of fleshing out this walk in Christ. And I can't really pinpoint to a, to a, to a satisfying degree how incredibly transformative this walk has been with Christ, specifically because of these small groups. So I want to encourage all of you, a little bit of a challenge, you know, what, what Rod taught and he teaches on a lot is to be intentional, right? To be intentional, to take, to take this idea of fellowship, to take this idea of walking with Christ and flesh it out into the real world. Step outside of your comfort zone. Be transformed, right? It took me a while. I'm not, I'm not you know, I understand it's not for everybody, but like Garrett said, I encourage you to pray on it. 
Maybe you don't want to be a leader of a group, but maybe you have a house to host it in, right? Maybe, maybe you don't have a house to host it in and you don't know how to teach, but you're willing to you know, be a discussion leader or whatever. Even if you don't want to do any of that, but you just want to get that camaraderie, that real true family that we are in Christ, then come to one of these groups, get to know everybody, right? I look out into the crowd right now, there's people in here that I don't know. And when I stand up here and I say this, I genuinely mean it. I want to get to know each and every one of you. And my wife will tell you, outside of this uh, unapproachable exterior, I'm a big old teddy bear. You know what I'm saying? And I love each and every one of you, and that's real. So with that said, I'll say one more time, I encourage each and every one of you to pray on it and to take that step in faith, like Peter, and, and, and walk with Christ. So with that said, I'm going to bring up Pastor Rod. Isn't that great? So great. Um, you see uh, how God has transformed someone's life. Garrett Castro, I know his story. It's an amazing story. Uh, Kathy shared about how um, she's gained this bond with all the women. You could feel her love for all the beautiful women, the beautiful faces and beautiful stories. And, uh, and then Van, what a great story that uh, I, I've been up close and personal. It's just it's just a remarkable story. I mean, he just touched on some of the story, but just remarkable. And, and where God transformed their lives was in relationship, transformed their lives in community and, and sitting in a circle, actually. And so really, um, we just wanted to present that to you. And God invites us into community. Christ invites us into community. And as a church, we want to extend that invitation that this is a place where community can be meaningful and safe we're all broken people, beginning with me. I'm broken just like you. And so it's in community that we grow, that, we're, that we know one another, that, we're, uh, that we know other people. And uh, the fulfillment for relationship can be experienced there. And so, again, those cards are in the back. We're not putting pressure on anyone, but we're inviting you that you would consider engaging in that story. And so what we're going to do is we're going to close in prayer. Uh, and then uh, the, and the worship team is going to lead us in worship. You want to stand to your feet. And Father, thank you that we're here today. Thank you for what we've experienced. Thank you, Lord, for the stories. We all have a story. And Father, I pray that you would just stir our hearts to lean into what you have for us in 2022. That we would say yes to the best. And give us the grace to say no to the rest. That we would say yes to relationships that are meaningful, that are life-giving, that are Christ-centered. Yes to growing in you. So, Father, we ask that you would do what only you can do in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.